I love that song, and I have to say, I must have done some healing. I think it's the first time I've listened to that song and not cried. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about that. Wow. I don't know if I can sing it yet, but I can listen to it. Soon, and I... oh. So, that is my theme song. And I've been listening to it for years and years. And I have another song that I listen to, and I'm not going to sing it, but I'm going to read it because it actually is a psalm. It's Psalm 23, 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth beside me. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, I think it was 30 years ago was the first time I heard that psalm sung in a song. I heard it at funerals and stuff, and it was always pretty sad. And then I found this church, Hope Church, and Carlos put music to this, and it just took me to another place, and I loved it. And then I just kept listening to it, and today, when I decided to do this talk, it popped into my head, and I wrote it down, and I looked into what it means metaphysically, and I realized how much of the words of that have been feeding me and how much of it is really how my life is today. So just a little bit about the metaphysics. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So that talks about the Lord being mine and your source and supply. That's our prosperity, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Well, pastures are a form of something in which we can utilize, right? It's something that we could see and utilize pastures. We could utilize it for farming and for just hanging out and enjoying the beauty of what God already gave us. And waters can be a great mass of thoughts, but he laideth me down by still waters. So the stillness of my thoughts brings me the stillness of my thoughts. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Well, I've been led down this path. I, in the beginning, went kicking and screaming. But it turns out it suits me. And it's that place within me and within you. It's the I am that we find when we go into the silence and decide to ask and then follow the guidance that we're given. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So death is either the death of somebody's physical body, but it also could be the death of something that we're letting go of, right? An old way of being. And believe me, when I said yes to this journey of becoming a minister, um, I had to let go of a lot of things and continue to let go of things, becoming aware of what that is. The rod and the staff, that is the power of the I am in spiritual consciousness within each of us. 
Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Well, to anoint is the pouring out of spirit of love onto someone who has faith in God. So it makes me look at where is my faith and, and ask you, where is your faith in God? Because we are all anointed. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is an expression of confidence in God's protection. And it's also a reminder that as we look for the goodness and the mercy, we can always find it. It's just whether or not we're willing to look. So between the song and this phrase, I've been saying them for over 20 years, and and they're still my, my rocks that I go back to over and over and over again. So I want to share some of the most transformal transformational aspects of this two-year journey that I've been on to become a One Spirit interfaith minister. So year one, three things were very prominent in my mind that I became aware of. First one was my idea of what the Islamic faith tradition was was so distorted by what I had seen on TV. It was really all about the people that were the extremists. And the Islamic tradition is so beautiful. I mean, they bow five times a day. And it made me even look at bowing in a different way than the way I was raised in the Catholic tradition. It's a surrendering and an honoring of God. So it's not a supplication. It's not less than God. It's an honoring of God, which really made me see it a different way. The other thing that the Islamic faith has is that they have 100 names or 99 names for God. And, and it turned out that last year my dean was Islamic. I didn't know until this question, of course. I'm like, Kareem, why are there 100 names for God? I don't understand. And some of the names were that God is the judger and God is the critic. And, God, and I'm like, no, God is none of those things. And he said very gently as he could, he said, we give God those names so we don't have to be the judger and we don't have to be the critic. <laughs> We hand it over to God, and I was just like, oh, that's just brilliant. <laughs> okay, I get it now. And I went back, and I'm looking at all the names. I'm like, okay, I can hand that over to God, and I can hand that over to God. This is really wonderful. The other month that was really profound for me was the month about Christianity. I really thought it was going to be an easy month for me. And it was the hardest month for me because it made me realize how much healing I needed to do and continue to need to do around the Christian faith because I was raised in a way with, their, with my parents' perspective of what it was. And it wasn't the truth, it was what they were raised with. So I did so much crying that month. I did so much cry, crying and reflecting and going in and searching. Like I actually even thought I made a mistake in going to One Spirit because I thought maybe I, one of the women in my, my study group is becoming a Catholic priest. I was like, wow. You mean I could have done that? And then it was a, a very short-lived moment of question, <laughs> believe me. <laughs> because I said, I really don't want to fight for my Christianity. You know, I don't want to fight for my spirituality. And, and I feel like because it's such a small group that's starting this, it would be kind of a fight. So I'm like, no, I'm not interested. And then the third faith tradition that I loved and 
Another one that I kind of cried through a lot was the earth-based traditions. They fed my soul so much. The Native American Indian and the, and the Wiccan, you know, really celebrating the earth and the moon and the sun and seeing spirituality in everything. It just feeds my soul and it's just so close to me. I'm really grateful for that. So then um, year two, and let me just tell you one little thing about myself. Um, one choice I made a long time ago, I'm one of seven children in my family. And after watching some of the things that my parents went through in raising seven kids, I said, you know, I don't think I'm gonna have kids. It's just too much responsibility. You know, I just could ruin a person's life, right? Year two, first day of class, the reverend says, the minister, the dean who's like leading this whole thing, we're actually led by two women deans. They co-lead this whole two-year program. She says, having reverend in front of your name does not make you special. It makes you responsible. And I was like, oh, wow. What have I done? What is, what? Like, okay, you know, you tell God your plans and you make God laugh, right? So each month in the second year, we did ceremony, different ceremonies that were from different faith traditions and however we wanted to present it. It was very open, but we had to do certain, like a wedding, we had to do a baby blessing, we had to do um, a, a funeral service or a memorial service. And through this whole time, both years actually, there's always this hidden curriculum, we call it, where is, you know, you're actually doing uh, a wedding ceremony when me meanwhile something else is going on inside of you. Actually, what happened during the month for the wedding ceremony for me was, I really wanted to work with this woman in my study group who was a wedding planner because I want to do weddings. And uh, what happened was we ended up doing what they call a sologamy, where you marry yourself. And I chose to do it because I wanted to connect with that higher part of myself, that Christ being. And it was pretty amazing. But again, it was such a deep exercise. I continue to go in and search for what that meant for me and how, you know, it was interesting to watch how other people in my study group, because of their faith tradition, was like, oh no, I can't get behind that. So they had to step away. So it was just a really interesting process for me to go through and to, and to um, that was the one study group that we had to really, um, it was the opportunity for seven of us to come together. Seven, by the way, is how many kids are in my family. So of course, right there triggered some stuff for me. And I'm gonna be the kind of like the focus, which brought up a lot of stuff for me because I was always made fun of like, oh, you have to be the center of tension. Well, here I am, the center of attention <laughs> with seven co-people, right? And like, that's the stuff that I call the hidden curriculum. You can't make it up, you can't pick it. It just, it's spirit saying, you need to work this stuff out and you need to be able to, if you wanna do the sologamy, you need to say your vows. And, and one of the vows was to have a voice and to speak up. And now I had to speak up to my study group who wanted to do it very differently. They wanted to make it like a PowerPoint presentation. I'm like, no, no, that's not gonna work, you know? And their whole point was that they were hoping that the whole class was going to be inspired by it. And my point was, if I go to a wedding, I'm always inspired by just watching people take their vows. It's not a PowerPoint, it's not only teaching me anything, it's just watching the process. So anyway, it was very interesting. It was six weeks of really having a voice and really 
coming from a place of love in a way like, like not being angry about it, not being hard about it, just knowing what was my truth. And it worked out quite well, thank, thank you. But it was interesting to go through that process. We also had to write a personal code of ethics as well as personal vows, which was a very interesting process to go through. And the last weekend, last month, last weekend was May 21st and 22nd, and we were given 40 discussion questions that went over what we learned over the last two years. And, you know, I kind of did this personal code of ethics, first kicking and screaming, but then after I did it, I really felt like, wow, I really feel like I'm stepping into being a minister because it made me go deep. It made me look at what's important to me. Well, one of the questions, so some of the questions point you directly back to your code of ethics. So one of the questions was, how would your personal code of ethics guide you in responding to feelings of sexual attraction toward and or from someone who came to you for support in your role as minister? And I was just like, what? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was like, what? And But it also made me remember as a massage therapist, that's one of the, I don't know if you, as a massage therapist, they ask you that because... First of all, you don't know what people's idea is. You also don't know, I mean, you're working with systems, physical systems that are going to trigger certain things on people. Plus, I think like therapists, sometimes people, because you, you come from a place of love, they find that attractive. So you have to be able, so it was, for me, what was a relief was I was able to go right to my code of ethics and say, okay, it's respect, it's boundaries, and it's about asking for divine guidance. So I was like, phew. I got that one. I know what I have to do for that, but it was interesting. They also, that last weekend was really intense. They asked questions like, what do you take a stand for? You know, as a minister, we have power, we have voice, and we have, oh, what was the third one? Position. And how are you going to stand? What is your stand? So, like, to go in and really ask myself these questions. Like if I'm standing in front of people, it's important for me to be in integrity, right? It's important for me, like one of the things I said is to be authentic. I have to be authentic. And it's what I also help to help, I hope to help other people be is authentic and to shine their light. That's one of the vows that I took in my, as, as being a minister. So they went on to ask questions like, what spiritual practices will you use when you're faced with conflict? And I'm like, I'm not going to be faced with any conflict. And then I'm like, mm -hmm. come on. You know you're going to be faced with conflict. But it was, eat, like, I just would go in and ask myself, okay, how would I, well, I'm so glad that I took, as well as taught, nonviolent communication. So it's really about going within and asking for guidance, asking what's mine, What's being triggered of mine here? Why am I here in this conflict? If I'm here in this conflict, there's something here for me to learn and to grow through. Um, how will I stay present when my vulnerabilities surface due to my own history or current situation? So I was so glad when someone said, you ask for a timeout. I mean, you won't say it that way, but you may have to say, you know, let's take a step back and take a step back and check in in a five or 10 minutes so that I could really get grounded so that I can come back and be able to face the situation and talk about it. How will I discern when I'm not able to be in service and what do I do about it? Knowing that I can say, you know, this is beyond what I am trained for. 
I'm a, you know, I'm a, as a minister, I could coach you spiritually, but there might be other things here that you have to take care of. And having a network of people that I can bring these people who come to me for. Um, some other questions. What is it to be wholeness? What is it to lead from a place of wholeness? So the questions just kept getting deeper and deeper. And the last exercise that weekend, they put us in groups of three. We're in on Zoom. And they say, okay, you guys, you've been together for two years. You know each other, but maybe not so much. And you don't know who you're going to be put in a group with. But we're going to put you in a group. And we're going to ask you to be silent. And then when you're guided to say a prayer for the group. Well, this freaked us all out. Everyone was asking a million questions. They're like, just be quiet and have a prayer with your partners. So, and, and we had 20 minutes to do it. So, it was so beautiful because it helped each of us see, like when we got quiet, when we let go of all those questions and that freaking out, like needing to do it right and needing to do it perfect, that we were able to say prayers that were so meaningful well, for me, I can only speak for myself and my group. We all came, it all came from this place within us that we had no idea why we were saying what we were saying, but it was coming through as what was needed to, to be said. It was so affirming to, say, to do it and say, okay, I guess I'm kind of ready for this. You know, it was really pretty, pretty powerful. So then they leave us with this amazing um, meditation. So... It's May 21st, and then we have our intensive, which starts on June 6th, and our intensive is four days. So the dean suggests that the days leading into the intensive, that we are invited to enter into a cathedral of time, a sacred holy time. As you prepare for the days of the intensive, where we're going to be taking our vows and being ordained. She said, from then up until the time of your intensive, it is a spiritually powerful time, it is a sacred time, a holy time, as we begin to really take in what ordination might mean for you as an individual, for your community, and for the world. Talk about responsibility. I was just like, whoa. The invitation is to engage fully, deeply, wholly into your spiritual practice to that which connects you so that you can arrive at the intensive ready to step into your role as spiritual leader and ready to claim your spiritual power. So I had all of those days, I don't think, I, I think I worked like two days and I intended for it to be that way. I was really quiet. I did a lot of walking, a lot of quiet time, a lot of journaling and um it was sacred. It was sacred. I didn't know what they meant when they said a cathedral of time and letting it be sacred until I went through the process of being quiet. So they come back again, or she came back again and talked about, you know, that reverend in front of your name isn't about being special, it's about being responsible because minister do what is necessary to show up to serve in integrity and humility it means putting aside self-interest sometimes it means stepping into places that will stretch you and sometimes it means recognizing your limitations 
and when you might need support and supervision. This consecration, and they define consecration as the process by which individuals are consecrated that is set apart from laity or clergy. It was like, oh gosh, that feels very heavy to me. But, you know, when we said yes to one spirit, and every time we went back, we were saying yes again, again, and again. I answered that call, and I continue to answer that call. And it's a journey of listening, not only listening to people, but listening to what's coming from within, and to stay present to my purpose. There's a Reverend David Wallace, he shared a roomy quote saying, don't go back to sleep. It's an invitation to wake up, grow up, clean up, and show up. It's an invitation to step up, stand up, and rise up into your calling. Don't go back to sleep. The world needs the awakened aliveness of you. And that's not even really just for ministers. It's for all of us. We all need to wake up and step up and show up just as being authentically you because that's what we are here to do. That's our purpose. Everybody has the same purpose, is to be the best you that you can be, to be the best expression of God that you came here to be. This world needs the fullness of you, the wholeness of you, grounded in the humble awareness of our individual calling and our sacred responsibility to the collective. The world needs our contribution to the turning of the wheel of life. So we were asked to dig deep, to search. This was our charge when we left at that weekend to mull over for the next two weeks. So then we show up, June 6th. It's uh, late, in the, like 2 o'clock. And we get together with some groups and we go over these discussion questions, 40 discussion questions. Of course, we didn't get to all of them, but it was um, very powerful. I was, of course, the first one to raise my hand because my question was about what, how do you handle, or how do you know, and how do you handle when you're getting in over your head or when you feel like you're burning out? And it was fascinating. I had one thing. I said, I get resentful. That was my one thought. And everybody really filled in so many different um, ideas now that I have to grasp from when I think I'm getting burnt out. But the bottom line is, just like in massage therapy, we learn how to take care, how, there's a lot of self-care that we need to do ahead of time, and not only ahead of time, but consistently. So, and also Monday night, we had volunteers from the class who did spiritual practices, which was awesome. But I, the question kept coming to me, why is it you didn't volunteer for anything, Teresa? I didn't volunteer for anything for the whole week, which is so unusual for me. I always have something to say. But, you know, I just, at one point I said, just volunteer, you know? And then I'm like, no, I'm not gonna just, if I'm not being called to volunteer, I'm not gonna volunteer. So it took until, let me think. we got there Monday, Tuesday. It took till Wednesday after we did the vow ceremony that I realized I was just supposed to receive for these days. It was my opportunity to just sit back and receive all of this amazing love because we, we went into uh, silence at about 1 o'clock on Tuesday. And Tuesday night we were doing our vows. So we were in silence from about 2 o'clock to 8 o'clock. And we... Uh, 
we entered into this room that they transformed. It was a, a room with cement walls, okay? When we walk in, they had it draped in white. They had candles all over. And we walk in, we're all dressed fully white. Everyone's got white on. And the deans and the ministers that we've been working with are all dressed in white. And they're just, they're just receiving us with our, their hands out. It was unbelievable. And the, the song 100,000 Angels was on it. And it's just this constant, beautiful angel singing and talking about how they're surrounding us. And then the invocation. So some of the classmates got up and did some invocations, but then 62 people stood up one at a time and said their vows. 62 people claiming how we're going to show up and love people. We're going to show up for justice in this world. We're going to show up for peace. And after each one, nothing was said, but this is the, we did, we receive you, we honor you, and we uphold you. And that's what we did. We didn't say it, but that's what we said to ourselves as each person. So it was really amazingly powerful. The room was so filled with love, and I felt like, oh, I'm not the same person I was when I walked in. And then um, we left the room, and we, we had a little bit of a celebration. We were all just feeling, we were kind of all like on this calm, joyful high. It was beautiful. We went to bed, and the next morning we got up and processed. Everybody, you know, shared what they got out of that, and... Again, I, I really, well, actually, that was the day that I spoke, and I said, I know now why I couldn't speak. It was because for me to just receive. And then we spoke a little bit about ordination, because ordination was going to be Wednesday night, and we had to rehearse again a little bit about for ordination. And um, then we went into the silence again from 2 o'clock to 8 o'clock. We went, <clears throat> we had dinner in the silence. And so we did our vows. We were, we were giving our vows, and then we received ordination. And in the receipt of ordination, they, they give you a little, this little vial of oil that's been blessed. And they tell you what you're supposed to say as you put your own oil on your forehead and on your throat and on your heart. Well, I couldn't remember what they told me to say. And I was like, <laughs> and I'm panicking because I'm thinking, you know, they're going to repeat it. And they didn't repeat it. I'm like, oh no, what does this mean? I'm not going to be ordained. Like, what does this mean? <laughs> And then finally I just said, you know what, I'm just going to make something up. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to make something up. So um, what I said when I, when I put the oil on my forehead, it was, I am one with divine mind. I see with clarity and wisdom. When I put the oil on my throat, I said, I speak with integrity and compassion. And when I put it on my heart, I said, I love fully and completely. And then you open your hands and Reverend DeShannon sprays you with holy water. And she says something, but she's saying it in a different language. And then she anoints your feet. So what I was saying during that was I said, my hands heal, they give generously, and they receive prosperously. And my feet are guided through and around obstacles. And we watched, you know, 52 people do this. The other 10 that we heard their vows was the, also the deans and ministers that had already been ordained. But this night, it was only 52 of us that got ordained. So Thursday morning when we went to process, I was speechless. I couldn't even speak. 
And every person that got up, I just cried and cried and cried because they spoke what, what I was feeling. Like there were many gay women there and older gay women who have had families and finally was able to be free to be who they were, not only being gay, but also to be able to practice spirituality in the way that they were received. And to hear them speak about that for themselves was just so moving. And, and they, they, like, we were led by two women. I, in my life, I've never been led by two women in such an amazing way. They co-leaded all of us for two years. It was just beautiful. And I would say probably 43 of the 52 were, were women in our class. So it was a great model for us. Um, the ministers, they were showing up and demonstrating to us how to minister and how to be in these leadership roles. Well, then Friday came. We had the day off. Thank God. We were all like relieved that we didn't go right into graduation on Friday. Saturday was graduation. And it was beautiful. It was at the Riverside Church. It's a cathedral. It's gorgeous. We file in together. We put these roses. Everybody's there. And we didn't know a lot of what was going, going to happen. We did kind of a quick rehearsal, but it wasn't until the actual event that we saw all the things that were really happening. And they bring in the different faith tradition books, and they talk a little bit about each one of them. And we did this beautiful dance, and there were two amazing speakers. It was just a great day. And I left, again, feeling so elevated and spiritually fed and full and beautiful. And then we went to lunch with some friends. It was great. And then our friends dropped us off at our car. And I said to Gabe, do you mind if you, do you mind driving? He said, no. So we had to pick up my car in Stanford, and then we had to go pick up his car in Norwalk. So I go to get in the car, and there's a woman there walking her dog. I get in the car, I'm like, wow, that woman's dog's business really smells, right? <laughs> powerful so we're driving down the street and I'm still smelling this dog's business and I'm like oh no and I look not on one shoe do I have the dog's business but on two shoes do I have and I'm just like goodness mercy follows me all day long right all Gabe and I could do was laugh we could la we we stopped. We pulled over, of course, because it's on my mat, it's on my water bottle, it's on my pant leg. It was all over. <laughs> I, it just happened. I don't know. All I know is it took us 20 minutes. It took us 20 minutes to clean up, and I, I, it did not, it did not go by me that I had been on this spiritual high. <laughs> And then I step in it. <laughs> it's like, okay, God, I got it. This is great. This is wonderful. So, what exactly was the message, though? Yeah, right. Well, I think it, it, you know, brings me back to humanity, and that life happens, right? And even in, even in those times of life where, you know, it looks like we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, right? It's goodness and mercy. Let's just find the goodness and mercy in this, right? So I'm going to read that one more time, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. An expression of confidence of God's protection. So is it done? I've just begun. I'm only half-baked. I have many years left to go deeper, to seek deeper, to search. So more cleaning up, more living life, more loving. I've just begun. So I want to say thank you for all of your support over the years, everybody. Thank you so much. It's been great. And stick around. There's a lot more to come. <laughs>